You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bo's Nose Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. And good afternoon, and it's another beautiful day in the Pacific Northwest. Well, maybe not quite so beautiful as it's getting up into the high 90s, and uh, not every area of the Northwest has got clear blue skies, because Southern Oregon's basically going through something we went through for a little while last year, but they went through for a lot of while. They're dealing with smoke and high... um, smoke content in the air to the point where it is unhealthy to be outside in a lot of Southern Oregon. So I hope they get control of those fires down there and the wind gets out of the right direction, you know, and blows some of that smoke out of uh, Medford and some of those areas down there because they are truly suffering uh, with the, uh, the high particulate matter in the air and the uh, unhealthy conditions. But here, in beautiful downtown Eugene on the Bo's Nose Show. We've got great air quality, and we are coming to you live here from Eugene, and I am Jay Bozovich, West Lane County Commissioner, your host. If you want to get in on the show and control the topic, give us a call at 646-721-9887. Just press 1, and uh, you can get in on the show here. And speaking of fire, before we get into some of the topics I mentioned, and I always want to remind people, if you want to get in on the show, give us a call, and you can control the topic. Again, 646-721-9887. Just press 1, and that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know that you want to get in on the conversation. She'll get you hooked up. But just want to let people know that as of midnight um, last night, the most of the fire districts raise their fire um, hazard level up to extreme. Uh, the Oregon Department of Forestry did so for the West Lane District and also the um, Cascade District over on the other side of Lane County. And that means that everything is prohibited. And that means you can't have that open fire, um, wood fire in your backyard, you know, that that's just not cool. You can't be out there with a string trimmer and dry grass. You're not supposed to be mowing your lawn unless it's, it's watered and green. And, um, you know, just all, all those usual things, you know, you shouldn't be doing this time of year. Uh, Terry and I with the, uh, Lane fire authority issued, um, a notice today and they followed up on the ODF restrictions. So basically, you can't smoke outside of a vehicle in in wildland areas. Uh, fires prohibited. Power saws, weed eaters, uh, um, cutting and grinding and welding. You know all those usual stuff that makes sparks. You know all that stuff's prohibited unless it's like over paved areas, um, bare dirt. Uh, you know it's really just use your head, folks. It's bad enough we got you know most of southern. Uh, Oregon on fire right now and a few fires scattered around. Uh, We don't need more. So uh, pay attention to the fire restrictions. Uh, Watch the heat. You know, it's one of the, it always cracks me up because they always come out with this stuff from the health departments this time of year about, you know, drink lots of water, stay in the shade, you know, pay attention to young kids and elderly at this time. Um, but it, it's summer, folks, and summer in Oregon gets hot, it gets dry. Um, don't be stupid. <laughs> so uh, that's your public service announcement from the Bose Nose Show this week. But we can talk about more fun things. We can talk about the Lane County Fair, which I got an opportunity to go to 
senior day, um, there's a senior ice cream social that happens every Thursday of the Lane County Fair for the last several years, which the Board of Commissioners sort of plays host to and I've gotten to go to every year. It's always kind of fun. You know, we supply uh, cake and ice cream for free, which, you know, that definitely draws the seniors in. And uh, it, it's kind of a fun event. It, and it, it's just kind of fun to walk around the fair. Uh, they, they, you know, it's an opportunity for me because we actually oversee the fair through the, the county fair board. Um, and, you know, the fairgrounds are owned by the, the board, the, the county. So it's always good for me to be there on site and kind of see how, how it's running from year to year. It has improved a lot over the years, even since I've been a commissioner, where it's become much more family friendly. Uh, and it was fun to walk around and see some of those family friendly things going on. Posted a few things on my Facebook page. If you, know, if you want to see a quick video of Alaskan pig races, uh, <laughs> there's a video there. What's kind of funny is that it's called the Alaskan Pig Racing Company, but the the guy that actually owns it's from this area, <laughs> so uh, it, it it it's pretty funny that you know it's 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 you know right down to the how the pigs are named is silly and and uh, it's pretty entertaining for the kids and and uh, the pigs are kind of pretty cute running around that track, um, you know it, it's just county fairs are great. You know, I grew up going to county fairs on the East Coast. Um, you know, everybody entered stuff to win prizes, uh, whether it was, you know, clay works of, of, of kids, which I remember putting some of my own stuff in there and getting honorable mentions because I was not very coordinated, uh, <laughs> to, uh, you know, all the 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 knitting and stitching and photography and stuff that adults do that's pretty amazing and at the lane county fair there's even a model train association that sets up an incredible model railroad set setups of all sorts of gauges and stuff which is pretty amazing to the animals being exhibited get to see every size and shape of rabbit and i had no idea rabbits got as big as some of the rabbits they had in those cages Things are huge. They were half the size of, of a small cow, it looked like. You know, big, big rabbits. Um, and, and, of course, you know, all the – they had a, um, a sow there with some almost newborn piglets, which are just – you know, those little snouts are just cuter than heck. Um, and all sorts of great animals to look at. And, of course, they've got all the carny rides and all the games you can play. And, of course, you can buy all sorts of uh, strange things there, including I saw deep-fried bacon-wrapped Reese's peanut butter cups. I didn't buy one because I was already trying to to finish off the elephant ear that I bought from Dottie's, um, which I do just about every year. And it turns out there's kind of a story. Dottie is actually the oldest vendor at the fair. has been there for the longest as far as food vendors go, uh, selling elephant ears. And they are, you know, the, the dough, real dough elephant ears. So it's kind of, a, kind of a tradition for me to go and get a Dottie's elephant ear every year. And, and, I, and it was just that was enough carbohydrate to last me for several weeks. So I wasn't going to add to it with uh, the deep fried Reese's peanut butter cup bake. Reese's peanut butter cups, but it sounded tasty, and I wish I had, I had maybe seen those first. Although then Dottie would have lost out on my my uh, patronage for the year. But really a great event, and I really enjoy the the fair. Um, it was kind of fun because you know I mentioned last week there's actually an, an Elmira connection to the fair, Elmira High School. This year they had Night Rangers, one of the evening. Uh, bands that came and entertained and the drummer for night ranger graduate was a graduate of elmira high school and uh, was actually the one that wrote their biggest hit uh, sister christian which was really about his sister christy and one of the band members misheard the word when he was singing it and uh, it became sister christian because they just didn't bother to change it um so it's kind of kind of a, a really fun event and a great event 
Of course, you know, the week before that was the Oregon Country Fair here, which is a pretty nice event, although there were some issues about that. And uh, it's interesting, the uh, the annual um, uh, rap sheet kind of came out today from the uh, sheriff's office on, you know, how many people got arrested, et cetera, during the fair. Uh, and it always looks pretty impressive. But I imagine if they did the same thing for a Ducks game weekend, it would look pretty similar, you know, as, as the number of people that are arrested for DUI and, and seatbelt violations and everything else they issue during the fair. Um, so it's kind of they don't put those out for each Duck game. I kind of wish they would in some ways just so there's there could be some kind of um, reference because when they put it out just for the Oregon Country Fair, might sound a bit, you know, um, make it, you know, kind of sound really bad. But it, it, you know, anytime you bring 50,000 people together in one spot for a weekend, you're, of course, going to get more violations that are in that area. Um, and I think if we did the same thing for a um, Ducks football game, you, you would definitely see a similar number of arrests and call-outs, et cetera. So I just uh, if people see that in the news the next day or so, think about putting some reference on that. Although there were some other things about the fair that kind of, you know, we talked about last week. And if people want to talk about the Oregon Country Fair, that subject's still open. You can give us a call, 646-721-9887 here on the Bose Nose Show and just press 1 so we know you want to talk and not just listen because people do call that number sometimes just to listen to the show if they can't be near a computer. So, you know, that, that was kind of, you know, I got that opportunity to go to the county fair last week and we had the country fair, but we can get away from fairs a little bit, maybe talk about some other things going on, which is we are in the middle of going out or just beginning. I shouldn't say in the middle, we're just starting, um, Last night was our first public meeting on the um, parts master plan proposal that has been drafted with the help of a consultant. And we are out there trying to get comment from folks uh, in, in the uh, community. And last night we had our first meeting in Benita. And I want to just thank everyone that came out um, it was about 95 degrees, and the Venita Community Center, where we held the meeting, does not have air conditioning. <laughs> so the folks that came out for that hour and 15-minute or so meeting uh, really persevered through some pretty uh, a pretty warm room and managed not to fall asleep um, listening to the presentations about parks master planning. So I, I really have to appreciate those folks for managing to get through that uh, entire meeting um, because that was definitely a feat. But we are actually uh, in a series of six meetings to, you know, where we go out, present about the master plan a little bit, and we have a little quick survey, which literally is about three questions and an opportunity to provide some open comments on the parks master plan um, that you can fill out there or you can actually go online um, and and see see uh, the you can actually read Parks Master Plan and um, comment online. You can get the same exact survey through our online interactive um, uh, site and uh, make comment. And so, if you want, if you go to one of these meetings and you you kind of want to digest and maybe go back and look online and read some of the detailed documents before you make your comments, uh, you, you can still do that online. And we'll be taking those comments all the way through the end of August. But the meeting tonight is actually at our Lane County Public Works um, uh, offices on North Delta Highway. And it, it's at 530. All the meetings are 530 to 7. And actually, the presentation is only about an hour. So the, the extra half hour is really about if people want to stay and talk more or have questions. Uh, but 5.30 tonight at the Goodson Room in our public works uh, 
Center there at 3040 North Delta Highway is tonight. Tomorrow night, they're going to be out at Lieberg Fire Station again, 530. Then next Tuesday night, they will be at in, in the Lowell Fire Station at 530. The following Wednesday night, we are going to be at the Cresswell Community Center. And then the Thursday night, August 2nd, we're going to be at the Saisaw Valley Fire Station um, right there on Highway 101, the, the main fire station there. And uh, that'll be at 530 also. So there's, you know, five five more meetings, uh, including tonight. Had one last night. So a total of six meetings around the county that we're holding. And, of course, the opportunity just to go online. And if folks want to get to that, they can go to my Jay Bozovich West Lane County Commissioner Facebook page. And I've got a post there that's like the second post down after the Bose Nose Show. Um, and, of course, you can just go to lanecounty.org um, uh, and, and uh, look for our uh, Parks Master Plan there. Uh, which is really pretty easy to get to, uh, but the master plan update, you know, but the links there on my Facebook page and the, um, if you go to that parks master plan update page, you can go to all the documents there. And then um, there's a place where you can click to provide comment. And where's it? Just want to make sure I can find it easily for you online comment form right there, available until August 30. Just a little bit down below the, the link to the chapters. So we're looking for folks to provide some input. And, you know, the parts master plan is a 20-year master plan. And, and people may not realize we have 68 parks we maintain in Lane County. And, and quite often people don't know whether they're in a county park or a state park, and sometimes it's a federal, uh, you know, park that's operated by the either the BLM or the Forest Service and uh, you know quite often you know you don't know which one's a county park or not so that, you know you can go there and learn about which facilities we operate and we operate some some regional parks like Richardson Park out there on Fern Ridge Reservoir or Armitage Park up there on the McKenzie you know where they draw people from you know all over the area and even you know we get folks that are coming through on international you know from out of the country um doing camping tours of oregon that stay at those parks um you know we've got mount pisco is a county park uh and the uh howard buford um recreation area there um that's really all county park uh and then some of the things people may not realize are county parks are almost every boat ramp in this county is, is a county is run by our parks department. You know, the boat ramps um, up along the McKenzie, a lot of them have been transferred from the state to us, or at least our, the maintenance of them has been contracted to us to, um, you know, we even contract to do the maintenance at the, uh, uh, the parks around Lieberg Lake for eWeb because they're just, you know, we're already going up there to maintain our boat ramp parks. And um, we, you know, the boat ramps on Sayuslaw River, the boat ramps at Munsell Lake and at um, Silcoots Lake, the West Lake boat ramp and park. That, that's, that's a county park, you know. So, you know, Harbor Vista Campground in Florence is a county park. You know, so there's lots that's part of our park system. But then the, the question is, is, you know, we're, we've got a lot of deferred maintenance on these parks. Uh, I think the last check we had was about $17 million worth of deferred maintenance on the facilities in these parks. We've got some properties we own that are undeveloped and haven't been and really aren't, uh, uh, you know, I wouldn't say they're not open to the public, but they're not utilized by the public. Um, people not may not be aware that we own a, a piece of property off of Peaceful Valley Road um, off of Lorraine Highway uh, south of Eugene. Uh, that's an underutilized piece of park. So it's kind of what do we do with all those properties? What do we do with all these parks? How do we 
get back on top of our maintenance uh, as if we, you know, could develop the resources, where will we add facilities to, you know, where do we need to reconstruct facilities? Orchard points docks are over 20 years old and are starting to fall apart. You know, how are we going to replace the docks at Orchard Point? Um, is there, you know, ability to expand some of these parks that are, that are used to capacity for um, the high season of the year? Like we've managed to figure out how we can expand a little bit on Harbor Vista Park by adding um, sanitary sewers to that with a cooperative project with the city of Florence this year. So that's going to actually get to be a little bit bigger in the future. Uh, but there's possibility of maybe expanding Richardson Park. You know, what do we do with parks like Zumwalt Park is also bordering Fern Ridge Reservoir, but also borders neighborhoods. So you really don't want to try and convert that into a Richardson where it's got um, lots of noise and people coming and going all times a day with the neighbors right next door. And it's much more of a natural uh, setting, but it's also utilized really heavily as an off-leash dog area. It's one of the few places you can take a dog and um, basically take them for a swim off the beach into a lake close into Eugene. So it's really, uh, you know, utilized for different reasons. Um, so kind of looking at how are the parks currently utilized, you know, trying to envision, you know, what might be enhancements and really hoping to maybe get down to, you know, some of these things like Zumo actually should have maybe their own um, singular park master developed with the input of um, the local area. To, you know, because we also want to, we also recognize that our park system is also an economic development driver in bringing people into areas. Because uh, definitely there is an impact to the Fern Ridge area of the folks that come to camp at Richardson. They shop at stores, they go to the restaurants around that area, um, and it does bring economic activity into the Fern Ridge area. And we know that because there's been years where the reservoir didn't get filled um, due to drought or other reasons by the Corps of Engineers, and those campgrounds will go empty. And you can actually, um, the store nearby store owners um, can tell stories about how tough a time they had in those summers where the reservoir wasn't full, grounds weren't full. So there's definitely a connection between economic activity in parks and the tourism trade that's now become a big part of our economy here in Lane County. So how does that all fit together? And that's really what this parks master plan is trying to look at and develop a 20 year um, plan. That's of course a living document. It'll change over time, but of how to best um, utilize and develop our parks and try and keep them, um, vibrant for the next generation basically so if you're really interested in parks and and uh want to get a look at that document again you can go to my facebook page um jay bozovich west lane county commissioner and uh look on the you know, second post downs about the the parks master plan and, and there's a link right there that you can go straight to our master plan update page and you know, take a look, read the document, and go a little bit further down the page, and there's an online comment form is also available. And that's comments will, will be taken in until August 30th. So hopefully, um, you know, if this is your opportunity to steer that plan, because this is just the draft we put out there. And it's a draft we put out there after working with a 23-person citizen advisory master plan task force group i guess i don't i don't know the exact term for that that group but we did we did you know have this group involved um in helping to develop the master plan so it started out with public with the stakeholders um giving us input so we have already had some citizen input now we want broad citizen input and we will end it per that input so um, your voice is important, and 
you know, will hopefully be able to try and come up with a plan that citizens want. And that's, you know, what we try and do at Lane County and what we've tried to demonstrate doing, which kind of leads me to something else that we, we uh, have been up to here at Lane County, which yesterday was our annual performance evaluation of our county administrator. And one of the things, you know, happens with local government, um, particularly here in Lane County, because we are home rule county, uh, the Board of Commissioners operates as the legislative body for Lane County. We make the, the, the laws, the county code. We write that, we approve it, we approve amendments to it, uh, additions, revisions. We, we can get rid of old laws if we want to. Um, that's part of our role. We also develop and approve the budget. Um, and uh, we also get to do some executive um, task like we are the negotiating body uh, with the uh, collective bargaining units when it comes to coming up with a union contract. Um, so that's our role, but we only directly employ three people. You know, and then everyone else works for one of those three people. And that, that's the county administrator who almost everybody reports to, the county council, who the county council's office reports up to, and the county uh, performance auditor, um, who's a staff of one, really. Those three people are recruited and hired directly by the commissioners as a group. So that's our only direct reports. So we have to do performance evaluations on those guys every year and uh, set their salaries and all that good stuff. So uh, yesterday we did the performance evaluation for Steve Mocha Heiske. And Steve got an outstanding performance evaluation by the commissioners and it shouldn't be any um, you know surprise that he did because I've talked so much about some of the great things we've done here at Lane County it, Steve's leadership's been a big reason why mm-hmm. and one of those things I talked about yesterday in the public portion of his performance evaluation uh, was one of the things Steve has has changed somewhat in the culture of Lane County is listening to the public and then not just listening to the public just to say we listen, but acting on what the public says. And a perfect example of that was when we had a a national consultant review our our waste management, um, solid waste management system here in Lane County, which we knew was starting to uh, bleed money and and go into the red. And we were trying to look for how we could save money. And their recommendation was to close a bunch of our rural transfer stations. And the public said they didn't really like that. So we held a bunch of meetings out there to get public input. And we completely revised the recommendations of that study based on public input and adopted a completely different strategy to, to rebalance the books on those, trans, those transfer stations by raising the, 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 the rates for dropping off stuff at those transfer stations because that was what the public told us. It was more important for them to have one close by and convenient than it was to raise the rates by 10 or 20%. You know, they, they, that, that convenience was worth paying for to them. That's what the public said. So we changed the plan and acted that way. And there's been several other examples where Steve's operated in this fashion. And this parks uh, master plan um, proposal is in the same vein. If you, participate in the the survey and come to the public meetings and provide some comments and there'll be other opportunities along the way uh, because as we move along with the parks you know we're going to do all this public comment through the end of august they're going to come 
synthesize that and bring a presentation to the board sometime hopefully in September and then they're going to kind of make some changes uh, based on the board's direction then they're going to come back and go to the Parks Advisory Committee and the Planning Commission uh, which are citizen um, uh, advisory to the board committees and hopefully get the Planning Commission's adoption and then the board's adoption and it becomes part of our rural comprehensive plan um, the Parks Master Plan is actually contained in our rural comprehensive plan, uh, which is the overall planning document for the entire Lane County, includes things like our parks, transportation, and land use. Um, so that's ultimately where we're going with that. But just, you know, one of the things that, you know, that got Steve his, his um, excellent performance evaluation was his change in the culture of Lane County responsive to public comments, seeking out that public involvement in, in our decisions, and then not only getting their public input, but reacting and modifying um, our decisions based on public input. So, you know, this is really about, you know, local government, which is the government closest to the people where you have the most impact. And if you want to talk about that a little bit, I'll pause for a second here and breathe and give you the number at 646-721-9887. And just press one if you want to get in on the conversation. Again, that's 646-721-9887. And just press one. And, of course, as we're talking, my phone was buzzing a little bit because it was the Junction City Fire Department tweeting out that um, it should come as no surprise, but we are now under extreme conditions. Please be diligent. Thank you for your support and understanding. Um, you know, so they've, they've, Junction City has mimicked what um, Chief Nye with Lane Fire Authority and declared an extreme fire hazard condition and is limiting uh, all those similar things, you know, open fires, et cetera, um, as I opened the show talking about a little bit. We are in extreme fire hazard conditions. Please be careful. Um, so, again, if you want to get in on the show, talk about what you want to talk about, because the Bose Nose Show is really about you guys controlling the subject. 646-721-9887. Just press 1 if you want to get in on the conversation, because um, it's definitely your show, and you can control the topic. So uh, give us a call, 646-721-9887. Just press 1. So we... we talked a little bit about we talked about master plans we talked about the county administrator getting excellent performance review what I didn't mention though is he's not getting a salary increase this year because last year was we gave him a salary increase it was to the top step of his salary range and so he's stepped out as they refer to it um, where he's um, at the top of his range and capped what he probably will get is if we do an adjustment to our non-represented employees, he gets for cost of living, he'll get that same cost of living adjustment, which we've been running about 2% um, with our um, contracted bargaining units is what we've been uh, doing in our, in those contracts is about 2% per year. So, um, you know, he may see a 2% increase in his pay. Uh, through a cost of living adjustment, which is kind of sad because he's doing a spectacular job and it would be great to add some kind of financial award for that. But I, I you know, he is topped out and that's just, you know, one of the things uh, as we look at market comparisons now, we'll do another market study of his position against our um, five comparable counties in a couple of years here. And, uh, you know, there'll be an opportunity to adjust the range maybe at that time. But right now, hopefully the cost of living adjustments we give, which basically the range moves up by 2%, and that's why he gets the 2% increase, um, will keep us close to the market. But you just never know sometimes because uh, good administrators, people compete for them, and the market seems to be going really crazy when it comes to employment uh, lately as we're trying to deal with recruiting some critical positions around the county, like uh, psychiatrists. We're going to 
about their compensation next week because we're having difficulty recruiting them. So um, we'll be looking at changing maybe our, our um, psychiatrist compensation um, next week uh, at, at the board meeting. It's one of the topics coming up in next week's board of commissioners meeting. So that's kind of one of those things we get to do. Uh, you know, we may directly hire only three people, but one of the things that we're charged with is setting the salaries of everybody else. All, all the salary ranges and all that are ultimately approved by the board of commissioners uh, in some some action of ours. So we, you know, we the staff may bring recommendations to us, but ultimately we we're the ones that vote yay or nay. So if you're mad about how much some of these folks make. Some of it might be collective bargaining. Some of it might be just that's what the market's dictating we have to pay to recruit. And uh, some positions that are really hard to fill and really important, like mental health positions right now, because that's a really critical issue in our county is trying to um, deal with mental health issues. Uh, we really... Um, need to fill those positions. In fact, one of the things we'll be dealing with next week is we'll be getting a report back on uh, suicides for uh, like about a five-year period. They're, they went back and looked at all the um, suicide deaths and the demographics of it and some of the possible causes, et cetera, and we'll be getting a report from our uh, health um, department folks, our public health department folks next week uh, to the Board of Health will be sitting as the Board of Health at that time. Uh, so I'm kind of looking forward to understanding a little bit more about that because that's been a real issue um, and kind of was in the news a little bit today as DA Patty Perlow found our sheriff's deputies um, uh, innocent of any wrongdoing in, in the sh shooting of the um, former security guard for a marijuana grow that basically committed suicide by police officer uh, a couple about a week or so ago uh, down there near cottage grove um, and it you know that just kind of gets back to the need for those mental health people the guy definitely had some depression issues and all um, and uh, really this was from talking with friends and people that knew him he basically um, committed suicide by cop by coming out and, you know, advancing on the officers and then, and then reaching for his uh, weapon in his holster and starting to draw um, was basically, um, you know, encouraging them to shoot and kill him. And ultimately, D.A. Perlow found that um, there was no um, wrongdoing and, uh, and the officers been found uh, to have acted um, appropriately and uh, but it's unfortunate because you know if this gentleman maybe had gotten a little help with his mental health issues these officers wouldn't have to think about you know how they you know even though they were justified in their shooting how they're responsible for the death of a human being that still weighs heavily on somebody and just you know if maybe somebody had reached out on behalf of him or gotten him to, to be connected, or if we had had maybe just a little bit more mental health staff availability uh, here in Lane County, um, that may have ended up differently. So just important those kind of positions are. And one of the things we're trying to look at right now is we're exploring the ideas of, of taking the, the cahoots you know, mobile mental health response model and seeing if there's a way of getting it out into more rural areas like Cottage Grove in the future. And maybe if we had had that available in the Cottage Grove area, that may have been, you know, a joint response with a mental health um, emergency response team that might have been able to um, talk this guy down better than the officers could have. Um, who knows? you know, with their specialization. So another little thing that was in the news today uh, in Lane County, it was the uh, exoneration of the uh, deputies by DA Patty Perlow found it was a justified shooting um, uh, down there in Cottage Grove. You know, 
shooting. Um, and but you know one that just shows how critical it is to get these mental health services out there, and how important it is to um, you know listen to people, and maybe you know I, I imagine some of the folks that were friends of the gentleman that that got shot are questioning themselves. You know what more could they have done? Could they have been you know a little bit you know, what help could they have reached out for? Could they have been more forceful in, in, in helping um, the gentleman or, or somehow or another more supportive? Um, so trying to make sure those resources are available, you know, is a piece of our public health um, system that we, we, you know, can try and, and uh, provide here as, as part of our, our mandated um, duties as a county, things that are mandated as the state is we are the public health uh, agency for uh, the area is the county's responsibility, not the city's responsibility. It's not the state necessarily. The county acts as the board of health, and that's part of our responsibility. So, um, you know, we, we started something last week. Let's that's kind of depressing. I kind of want to get back to maybe something a little bit more cheerful. Well, maybe it's not so much cheerful, but we started something last week. Um, the what, what were they thinking um, segment of the Bose Nose show. We kind of had a lot of fun with uh, city councilor, Emily Semple uh, from the city of Eugene and her proposal to provide birth control for rats. Uh, and I just had to laugh because Monday morning on a local radio show called The Wake Up Call on AM KPNW, uh, <laughs> Bill and Rob had a blast with that also. Um, but they kind of got stuck on the part of where she also proposed handing out black garbage bag, plastic garbage bags to everybody and then having a corpse pickup. And they got into... Uh, thinking about Emily Semple uh, pushing a handcart around Eugene, shouting, bring out your dead, bring out your dead. Uh, and we're actually playing that piece of Monty Python in the background uh, as they were talking. So it, it it was the gift that keeps on giving. But I think, Robin, you have something um, up, up your sleeve for this week's What Are What Were They Thinking segment on the Bo's Nose Show. Oh my God! Oh my um, God! <laughs> Hard to talk. Anyways, uh, bring out your dad. <laughs> yeah, bring out your dad. Um, how yeah. to be a millionaire? Uh, this this fellow um, named Jane Wells figured out a good way of doing it. Uh, he created a company based on fake dog testicle implants. Really? Really? Is this for the, the guys that, that that are feeling bad over having neutered Rover? Uh, pretty much. And the story says that basically he noticed his dog taking care of himself, and noticed that there was something missing, and kind of looked at his owner, who was a veterinarian, and says, "I think he noticed that something's missing." <laughs> so anyway. As that turned it into a million dollar business. Wow. Well that that's kind of a that's kind of a different what were they thinking. It's you know, we're usually what were they thinking and because they weren't thinking. That guy was actually thinking enough that he made you know, made book on on really kind of a strange idea. <laughs> yeah. But I guess it kind it's of like, you know feel, feeling guilty about, you know, Removing your dog's jewels, you know, it, it, you know the, uh, the 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 replacement. I guess you know at least you can, you know, feel like he's he's a man. He's still a man. He's still a man. But what about the uh, the female dogs? Maybe they may want to feel more endowed. Times eight. <laughs> Oh gosh, no, we don't need to be seeing that. Uh, <laughs> you oh, never gosh. know. Uh, what do you think? 
Well, sometimes it's the simplest things. You know, why didn't I think of that? And I will admit that, well, you, you've got several puppies. I mean, I don't know if you ever thought about that. But... No, no, not really. Uh, you know, there, there's, uh... yeah, my, 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 uh, my my boy dogs seem to be just fine with without having something swinging between their legs. <laughs> but yeah, you know, if if a if a veterinarian had the idea of you know making implants and you know, how much could they cost? You know, a couple of marbles, you know, because they just have to be sterile and, and inert, well, you know. He probably, you know, yeah, but I mean, he probably got them manufactured in China for, you know, a couple, you know, 10 cents a piece or something like that. But because they're, quote, a medical implant of some kind, the the vets get the charge, you know, $100 a a jewel. uh, And he makes 50 of that, you know, times how many vets across America are doing that, that you know, neutering dogs and then, then using those, you know. Well, he says that, the that, average that, cost that. for a pair is $310 with over 500000 sold. Holy Steps. mackerel. So, yeah, the guy's definitely made book on that. Yes. Yeah, he's How many been, sold? I guess, dogs. Yeah, What's that? 500000 did you say five hundred thousand sold? Five hundred thousand sets sold. So take that times uh, at least three hundred and ten dollars times five hundred thousand. Yeah. 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 That's a and you know the vets are getting half three hundred ten because they mark everything up, you know, a hundred percent from what they buy at right. wholesale, but still. You know, so he's making you know 155, probably, and you know his his costs probably are nowhere near 155 a pair. Wow. <laughs> of course, that's on what size you want too. <laughs> yeah, got more expensive for the Saint Bernards and Great Danes, I guess. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh. Are we still PG? Uh, of course, of course there, there could be some vanity involved. I can imagine somebody, you know, wanting to get their Chihuahua to get get maybe a, a, a retriever size set in their Chihuahua. Yeah, or their Datsun, which already has issues. Yeah, as far as oh my gosh, no. Uh. <laughs> You well, really know how to of, take this show sideways sometimes, don't you? <laughs> well, I mean, I could I could uh, whine about EMX again, but you know, I got to get take a break sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I I, I had to begrudgingly admit something um, when I was talking to a friend of mine that was looking to kind of move out of the Eugene Central area, uh, whose husband rides his bike to to work. Um, for sanity's sake, you know, it's kind of insanity as being able to ride his bike to work, but she wants to move out and kind of get, you know, an acre to two acres of land so that they have a little bit more separation between them and their neighbors, and they just they want to have some room to garden, et cetera. So they were looking out in the Benita Elmira area somewhat, but they're concerned, you know, because it's not an easy bike commute, and especially in the wintertime, it's dark. And I had to begrudgingly admit that LTD has been able to upgrade the service to Benita with more off with a better schedule because now instead of having to take the Benita buses all the way to the downtown station, they only go to Walmart and stop at where the MX line stops and you transfer onto the MX from there because the MX runs so often. So the MX actually got more frequent service availability easier to Benita so that if he does want to move out, I was explaining to her, if he moves out here and if he just can ride into the close enough, wherever they buy is close enough to the town of Benita, 
he could ride into Vanita and put his bike on the rack and ride the bus into town in the dark and then get down, you know, get closer to his job, pull the bike off the bus and ride, still ride to work. Yeah. Just has a little bit of a bus trip and maybe a short ride into Benita uh, in between. And uh, so I had to begrudgingly say that MX actually had a positive benefit. <laughs> oh, so, my. Well, there's one out of how many? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that sort of was somewhat of the idea. The problem is, is that there's still an issue with it is a huge operating cost. The operating cost for MX is way above normal bus service. And that is having impact on their budget. So where it may benefit Benita's schedule, it's actually cost some neighborhoods their service to, to make up for the operating budget. Um, so it's it's a a little bit of a of a plus there, but some big negatives in other places. Not to mention the uh, drunken architect uh, layout of the lanes on Seventh Avenue. Yes, or, or the, and look out, they're coming for you someday soon. Yeah, yeah, they're they're looking at River Road and and. And somehow or another, they're hoping to put it on Coburg Road, and I have no idea where it's going to go there. Oh, I'm sure so. they'll uh, squeeze a couple lanes and, uh, you know, figure, well, we could use uh, some traffic calming zigzags here. And Yeah, I, wanted I to can actually- just imagine. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the place I just can't imagine they have room for it is that that bottleneck right there at the Oakway Center, you know, where there's the, the there's not enough room even for the left turn lanes. So the left turn turning folks back up into the actual through lanes a lot of times, and that becomes just almost a gridlock at certain times of the day and and certain times of the year. Right there's that little light that's just up from Oakway. Um, where the I think Albertsons is on one side, and um, right. the I think there's a Starbucks there on the other side. That, that intersection right there, there's no room to add any lanes there, <laughs> and and it and it jams up the way it is now. So if they take anything away for the bus, that's just going to make it even worse. So I, that, I have no idea how they're going to engineer it through that that one that that couple blocks north south of that are just gridlock city at, at certain times of day. Well, but I still think. Like, it, yeah. Well, if you look at the cost, what was it from uh, U of O to Springfield was just for the uh, construction itself was over fourteen million dollars to try and knock off five minutes off the route. Yeah, and and the buses themselves are three times the cost, literally, of the white accordion buses. So, yeah. But where I still think that, I mean, yeah, they reinforced the concrete, put in the communications thing. I I don't know if they gave up on the self-driving bus idea, which is what the original EMX uh, was supposed to do. But when I talked to them, they said they couldn't get it to work right, and. You know, just uh, modify the lights to get the buses priority. I mean, it's a lot cheaper. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it just, yeah, it, it's one of those things that, that um, you know, it may be that we just don't have quite a large enough population base to support the MX um, at this time, and that, that sort of bus rapid transit. But I will say that I much prefer them working on bus rapid transit than light rail because light rail is a complete boondoggle. You know, if you think, if you think that MX is a money sink and the operating cost on that are outrageous and the capital costs are high, light rail is a hundred times worse. Um, almost to the dollar. Okay. <laughs> what it costs yeah, per mile and all that. Yeah. And there at least the buses can go off the track. Yep. Yeah. When, when, when the, uh, light rail breaks down, everybody stopped. 
Whereas right. if, a, if an MX bus breaks down in the MX lane, the other MX buses can drive around it. <laughs> and ultimately, if they decide to get rid of the MX system, you know, that they made a mistake and they go, get away from it, those lanes are still there to expand out for vehicle travel. You know, it's not like the, you know, it's a complete, um, you know, waste, you know, a little bit of restriping and stuff like that. And that becomes, you know, we can convert it back to vehicle capacity. So oh, it's here to stay. Yeah. 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 Well, they think it is. Well, yeah. I mean, if nothing else, we can convert those buses into low income housing. Yep. On wheels. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah, where do you live? All uh, today between 42nd Street and uh, tomorrow, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, uh, well. Well, you know, while we got a few minutes left in the Bose Nose Show here, you can still get a call in at 646-721-9887. Just press 1. Let's just know you want to – you can call in about anything, you know, uh, Talk to us about MX. We can talk about some of the other stuff we talked about. Whatever you want to talk about, 646-721-9887. Remember, press 1. Let's us know you want to get on the conversation. Before we get out off the air today, I want to remind folks that Florence is getting ready to celebrate being a city for 125 years. And wow. to celebrate that, they're having a block party in Old Town on Friday night this week, starting about five to run till about nine o'clock at night. They're basically going to do the, uh, you know, close down the traffic, everybody party in the streets type block party, uh, celebrating the 125th. Now, mind you, the high temperatures while we're baking here in around 97 this afternoon in the valley, they're in the 60s in Florence. So if you want to beat the heat and get some really nice, fresh ocean air and all that early in the afternoon, you can swing up to Strawberry Hill and do some tide pooling, uh, you know, stop by the Seat Ahead Lighthouse, although I think they're doing some repair work. I don't think they're letting you up in the lighthouse right now, um, but you can still photograph it and, and uh, look at our beautiful coast maybe go for a walk in the sand dunes or something like that, uh, and then then swing into Old Town in the evening and uh, celebrate 125 years that place has been there. And it's, you know, I was talking with somebody about how you used to have to get to Florence um, around the turn of the century, say about 1910 or so, before Highway 126 or, or Route F, either of those was built. Um, it, you know, travel wasn't easy in those days, and you used to have to take a stagecoach from Eugene to Mapleton, and then you had to stay overnight in a hotel in Mapleton, and then you took the ferry down the Sayuslaw River on the tidal portion of the Sayuslaw River into Florence. So to get from Eugene to Florence used to take two days and an overnight stay and was not really exactly a comfortable you know, stagecoaches weren't known comfortable and, and uh, you know, a fair, you know, a ferry travel and all that. So that's what it used to take to get to Florence. Uh, it was not accessible by road, really. So uh, now you can get there 45 minute to an hour drive from Eugene and uh, Friday night celebrate. They've been there for 125 years. Um, should be a lot of fun. Uh, but that's about all we have time for on the Bose Nose Show this week. We'll be back to you next week here at our usual time, Wednesdays, 4 o'clock live on KRBN Internet News Talk Radio. Uh, don't forget to like us on Facebook on our KRBN Internet News Talk Radio Facebook page. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. And Remember, we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Houston. Good night.